the way I like to think of it is using options to more specifically express a bet. See, if I buy a stock, maybe it goes up, I win. If it goes down, I lose. But what's the extent? Maybe I think it's going to go up a lot, but after a month, maybe I think it's going to the price of a stock or silver. Let's say you thought silver was going to stay at $24 for the next two years, and then because of that suppression, it would explode at some point. But you don't know when. If you start to understand your option math, you can still be the casino even without knowing when. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And today we have an options call. This was from the options panel at Silverfest 2, which G is now already two months ago, although we still have a couple left to share with you. And I think they're all very much still relevant now. So here was a call where it was more of a discussion, not a formal step-by-step -step tutorial. Uh, Rob Keens joined me, Jim Forsyth. We talked about some other things uh, in addition to options. So either case, uh, hope you enjoy this one, have fun, and there will be a little surprise at the end. First of all, in trading, especially with options or in anything, there's not one set way to do it. I'm going to share my experience, the way I was trained, the perspective I come from, which has a different risk tolerance than other people. So I was willing to make a bet all in. And if I didn't get my timing right 10 years ago, I wanted to leave Wall Street. Maybe I wanted to figure out how to start a YouTube channel so that I was willing to go through the ups and downs. That's a level of risk. I probably would not have been comfortable had I not spent seven years trading equity options for Susquehanna, you know, sitting there running a specialist post on the New York Stock Exchange. So that's going to be different. I made trades differently then than when now I have a business and I can have certain amount of money that, hey, if I spend this and I don't hit on something, but I like the, the odds that I was receiving, I'm okay with that. So probably for most people watching, this is completely educational. You might not be ready for options. This is much different than physical silver. This is even more risky than mining stocks. So please, in the chat room, before I answer any more questions, can you type if you're clear? This is not legal financial advice. I'm just sharing my perspective, which you can mix. Talk with your financial analyst. You probably shouldn't be trading this stuff. Let me hear some confirmation that the disclaimer is clear. I'll take a sip of water. And uh, while I do that, type in the chat room if everybody is clear on the parameters there. And then we will continue. The way I like to think of it is using options to more specifically express a bet. See, if I buy a stock, maybe it goes up, I win. If it goes down, I lose. But what's the extent? Maybe I think it's going to go up a lot, but after a month, maybe I think it's going to the price of a stock or silver. Let's say you thought silver was going to stay at $24 for the next two years, and then because of that suppression, it would explode at some point, but you don't know when. If you start to understand your option math, 
you can still be the casino even without knowing when. Somebody in the chat room tell me if they can explain if they understand that enough that they can explain that. Is that clear? That if we change the way we think about making bets with different financial instruments, all right, Wall Street, you know, they lever everything up. Could options be used in a safe and responsible way to create a strategy that would allow you to stay solvent longer than Wall Street could, even if it's passed on to your children and could be put in place with, with less risk than investing in toxic treasuries? Basically, hedging out the math so you're as much as we can trust that the option markets will continue to function, that you're that you're more likely than that to win big. Who thinks that even such a thing would be possible? Can we get Rob Keats into the booth to see uh, if he can? What what Rob? Oh my God, Rob was Rob. Were you listening to this? Mm -hmm. Rob, can you moderate me and the questioners so we keep this flowing? We'll just keep, if you have option questions, what about option trading SILJ, Dan A asked, for example. Yara, let's get Dan A an ounce of silver, please. <clears throat> um, I use SILJ. Rob, have you ever looked at what is in the alleged silver junior miner index? It's not junior silver miners. You know, First Majestic is a silver junior miner, according to the Black <laughs> Pools. It's like you can bet against Jeff Curry on that. If you buy long-term options, Jeff Curry's not going to be around to pay those out. Nope. So, SILJ, you're getting a bank product. Do I think it's going to go up? Do I think if you own any option when the silver market moves that it will do well? Yes. But I would point out, no, that it's not a true junior miner index, Rob, although you've solved that with Dave Kranzler and Chris uh, Marchese. You can talk mm -hmm. about later today the junior minor index <clears throat> can you can you touch on that while we're before we get back to the options for a second uh what's in the junior minor index just to explain why we started that so that people are asking about silj thinking that is this a good way to get options yeah the option exposure to junior miners i'm not sure i think you have a good chance of making money if you know what you're doing but is it going to really truly mask match option exposure on a diversified basket of junior miners i'm not sure that i would say that's its precise niche yeah the slaj is not really all junior miners a lot of medium-sized ones in there and and in that index is really a mix across the spectrum the problem with that is if you really want to get leverage to the silver price uh, the junior miners are the best way to do it a lot of the larger miners aren't primary silver or if they are primary silver they have enough dilution of other things in there and the other problem with the with the really big miners sometimes is that it's to them it's not all about <clears throat> current shareholder returns. They've got longer term things that they're that they're worried about um, expansion, uh, the way that they'll dilute shares to bring new projects online. Not not knocking some of the larger producers, but if you want true leverage to the silver price, the junior miners are the best way to do it. And we had meetings talking about who would we include in our index with Dave Kranzler, Chris Marchese, um, you know, who would you nominate and would, who are the true junior silver miners that you would want in a true junior miner portfolio? And I think we have a, a much better option uh, for people uh, in, in our index. 
So I don't know if you published that, Chris, but eventually we'll, you know, you'll talk about that. And, and, and as far as the options goes, the options is a good way to, to, to play that because you can make, it's a leveraged bet on really on top of a leveraged bet because miners are a leveraged bet on the silver prices. The options is a leveraged bet on the direction of that the, the mining index will go. So it's a way to kind of supercharge your investment portfolio in relation it's really to a leverage bet on the volatility premium because yeah. the directionality can be hedged with an offsetting stock position. Yeah. You uh, can do an offsetting stock position. You could do offsetting options position. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can reduce your risk there. The, the cool thing about options and, and I only did this for a couple of years. I'm not the expert that you are, Chris, but the cool thing about options is the way that you structure your options play can take a lot of the risk out. So you're not just exposed to the raw price risk of a stock or even of the commodity. You, the options plays will allow you to kind of like taking insurance on, on your bet, depending on how you structure it. That is correct, Rob. And uh, mm -hmm. to touch on an earlier question we had, someone asked about the covered call, which I would love to share my thoughts on. From an option market maker perspective, the guy who's on the other side filling that previously, mm -hmm. Rob, do you what do you have any thoughts? Are you familiar with the covered call strategy? Could you explain that to someone who might be hearing that for the first time? <laughs> I don't know that I'm the best to explain, explain it. Explain what you know, and I'll be here to help. So the so the investor selling call ocean options owns an equivalent amount of the security. So they've covered their position by owning the security. Uh, so the investor holds a long position asset rights, call options on that same asset to generate an income stream. So get that right. uh, I didn't even, when I was trading options, we didn't refer to these as covered call and the uh, option floor, it's known as the buy, right? Because what do you buy option or no, you buy stock, right? Call. Mm hmm. So it's called the buy right, which Rob, another time, maybe we can record a seminar where we can diagram out on a whiteboard the cash flows. So you can see that you can turn a call into a synthetic put. If you buy a call, you'd probably want the stock to go up if you had no other position, right? Right. But if you buy a call and sell a share of stock, mm-hmm. Then you'd really be wanting because you'd have a hundred delta on the short sale. Don't worry if this is complex. We'll break this down further. Mm -hmm. The option would be less than a hundred delta. So your overall delta, the more the stock goes down and the faster it goes down or the faster the volatility, volatility increases since you're along the option. Rob, even if not everybody watching at home understands just yet, do you see how that you've turned a call option? You have used the hedge. Mm -hmm. You could hedge it delta neutral, and then it doesn't matter which direction. But if you hedge it one to one, you have turned a call. If you mapped out the payoff, you have the payoff chart, let's see, of the stock or the call option is flat on the low side, then it goes up, right? That's right. And you're canceling that out with the well, <laughs> short. <laughs> Short sale. I'm doing this in reverse here, but you match map out those two payoff diagrams, Rob. We can write this down. We can break this down in a future video. The point is that even back in the 70s, when Susquehanna was getting started, people didn't know what put call parity was back then, Rob. They were just like calls go up, puts go down. Jeff mm -hmm. Gass figured out, I guess this was before they even had mapped out Black Shoals. These were the guys who knew math before Black Scholes came around to pick up their Nobel Prize. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Black Dome's got the Nobel Prize. Jeff Yass runs the option world. He owns the option land. Mm-hmm. And the reason he did that was because he realized that we're trading volatility. And if you understand that, and it's really... So, Rob, let's say you buy call and a put. Stock could go in either direction, yet European, the value of your option position, if the vol, the volatility premium increases without the stock even moving or decreases, mm-hmm. because if you own puts and the stock market gets hammered, yes, the stock's going in your favor, but at the same time, you're getting an increase in the volatility premium because as people panic, the puts get bid up, which is what we call the put skew. Mm-hmm. Now, because humans panic in a different way to the downside and they celebrate the gains at a slow melt-up bubble as the Fed is hyperinflating, I'm not saying that's natural, just that's what the world we're conditioned, that how it works now. Call skew works inversely, although, Rob, here's the greatest part. We'll map this out. You tell me if you can even understand this. The way that the put skew reacts when the stock market sells off is almost like that for all stocks, except it's the inverse for silver mining stocks. That's how the call skew reacts when mm-hmm. it gets pummeled. And if you, when you understand all of that, then you will understand the model that I've been building and calibrating and getting ready to share with everyone and what my specific strategy is. But back to the covered calls. Now that you've heard the long answer, the short answer is that I don't... If someone owns a stock and they sell a call against that as income, what if the COMEX does break and you have that call sold and Mm -hmm. you cap your gains the day COMEX breaks? Mm -hmm. If you're okay with that and you want to collect income, you will win a lot of times until that happens. Over the last 10 years, you would have won a lot of times. But if the COMEX Mm -hmm. breaks tomorrow, you're going to wish you just owned your stock or you're going to wish you owned the call. Right. That's why it really comes down to I have my opinions about what I think is happening in silver, mm-hmm. when I think the silver price is going to move, and I make my trades around that. That's why I do a YouTube show where I teach things. I say, you got to make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. We record stuff. If you need help, you can ask the questions. You can give to your financial advisor, but it starts with <coughs> being comfortable with your own level of risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people just buy the physical silver, you hold it there, you know it's there. If you want to spend more time, if you're a financial professional, if you watch all of Rob's videos and you're a freaking guru, then you have more knowledge, you have more confidence. See, I can trade my stuff because I can take my, I take accountability for my own trades. So if I don't get a trade in on time because I want to go to the beach, that's why I'm not a, a broker for anyone else. And I think that's important to understand. You can't trade options until you accept whatever you're doing. Practice with play money. Write down trades. Learn how the things go. Rob, we're going to be making an option course in Arcadia University, right? That's right. Right? right? Yep, yep. So this will be broken down. I've been, I had seven years on an option floor. That was 15 years ago it's 2005 when i started so i started 16 years ago so you can go work on an option floor you can ask questions here but make sure that you're only 
I'll tell you what, put a hundred dollars in a brokerage account and trade mm -hmm. one month till you understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to learn, but make sure you're doing it responsibly because nothing we could tell you about options or Greek symbols or deltas or anything until you're learning for you watching at home, for whatever is responsible for you, not for me, not for Rob, not for your wife, for your husband, your dog. Until you're sure you have that part right, paper trade. Don't touch, don't put, don't even open a real option account. Just look at the prices, write it down on a log, and you'll know when you're ready. Rob, comment on that, please. Yeah, I, the way I always started whenever I entered a new market was currency trading or doing stocks, trading little micro stocks was I always put a little bit of money into a trading account, like you said, and traded small amounts. Or a lot of times you can you can find trading accounts where they give you a placebo account. In other words, they'll give you a trainer account. We used to have this at FXCM when I, when I worked for them. We would give people a training account. We give them fake money, allow them to trade it, learn the trading strategies. A, lo a lot of brokers will also give you uh, tr uh, training materials, training uh, <clears throat> videos, things like that, that you can learn from. And they'll give you somebody that you can go and ask questions over chat. You know, we're very advanced these days on on the amount of information you can get. You can go to YouTube and, and, and watch videos, but start that way. Don't put a lot of money at risk. Get comfortable with the strategies you want to use. Pick your two or three favorite strategies. Know when those strategies work and when they don't. And and, and that's the approach I always use when getting into a new market. I never dive headfirst because diving headfirst can be a very painful lesson that you painful, lose a lot of money very quickly. Jim. Help him out. Dive first into this quote we have. Read this for him while my man's regulating the option board over there. Jim, can you read the, that quote? Can I read the quote? What quote am I looking at? Rob, should, do you see there's... Should we give away another five ounces of silver in Jim's Citizens for Sound Money booth? Oh, yeah. Speaking Wait, of... Jim, Jim, hold on. He's got to read more. Rob? Oh, you got yeah. another one up? Do you think Dr. Paul would support that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, actually, I reached out to, to um, sit, uh, Campaign for Liberty to try to get Dr. Paul to like do something. We talked about it like two days ago, but the note, it, it was too short of a notice. Um, we tried to get the um, speech that he did at New Orleans. I talked to Brian London and he asked their legal people and all that stuff, but it just it was against the contract kind of thing. But uh, his off Dr. Paul's office said, he, you know, if you give him enough heads up next year, he would uh, he would he would come. So. So he is supportive, but yeah, let's, let's give out some silver. Actually, I got a kind of an update on the booth. Hey, Jim, Jim, before you give your update in the middle of the option session, so it's going to have to touch on options. You can give the update, but then to say something about options. So this all fits together. Okay. I'll, I'll, and you got to promise that if Hayden Martin comes to your booth, you write down that we're going to give him an ounce of silver for saying heck yes to whatever you're about to say. <laughs> I, I agree to that. I'll save my announcement. Yara can make it later. Um, but yeah, for, for the silver thing, we can do that. But yeah, so options, I I, I was want to jump in just because I spent a lot of time doing options, reading books on it. And I'm, I'm, I won't say I'm hugely successful, but I, I think I know a lot. My problem is, is not knowing the timing well enough to use it well. But um, you're, you're, you're right, Chris. I mean, you can really, you know, people think of options as this risky thing. And, it, and it, the way most people use it, it is, but you can use it definitely to manage risk versus um, to enhance your risk with more leverage. Um, I mean, but one of the great things about them is, is the nonlinearity. Like if you want to short a stock, you have infinite losses where if you do some puts, you can, 
you don't have infinite losses. Okay. So, Jim, uh, what's the big news, though? I was getting distracted. Um, just okay, Prod just lost his stream, but somebody get him back on. He's back on. <laughs> He's back Ready? on. You can help him. Oh wait, Jim, tell us your news while Chopper Ben waits for Jose's stream to come back on. Yeah, so um, I don't know how to pronounce the name Moises, who's in who's uh, of Atlas Vaults. He's one of the guys that, well, he's the guy that helped cement the deal between Kinesis and the vaulting system in Latin America. Um, so really big vaulting and broker system. They they take uh, the refined products, bar, ship them off. They vault them, um, and they're doing a, a. They have a vault, and it's going to be the vault for Kinesis in South America. Anyway, he's going to come by our booth and open up to questions and answers and and talking about sound money. We're planning to do it during that break that you have. I think between four and five. Jim, are you, you got to see the comments that are coming in here on the screen. You're talking options, silver, and the crowd is chanting, fuck the Fed, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Ken Nickel, Mr. Hunt, always needs more silver. Yart, can we get Ken Nichols on the main stage? The guy is a fucking silver whale. We will edit this one. We will not put it straight to YouTube. Here's the best part about Silverfest, too. We're not in Goldman Sachs corporate boardroom. Look at the great time we're having in Sailly to Mexico. We're having fun. We're giving we I raised enough ounces of silver to give away over 600. Jim, we're in a silver inflation giving away deficit. You got to overshoot, bro. We have 600 and there's still more sponsors. 600 ounces of silver. The key is if, especially as we might get Ken Nickel on the stage, if he's ready, or he might be eating silver for breakfast still. You know him. RG, oh. Mr. Hunt, what do you think about that? It's an option question for Ken Nichols. You want to see how Ken rolls? Let's give the folks. So this is why you log into Silverfest, so you can see the banter on the screen. Rob, are you seeing what Ken Nickel is saying? I am. Always needs more silver. Alone up for breakfast. Jim, do you have an option question on how much silver Ken Hunt, Mr. Hunt, could eat for breakfast? You know what they did in the 80s, allegedly. No, I don't. All right, Jim. If you ask another option question, I'll give you a total of 10 ounces more of silver to give away in the Citizens for Sound Money booth after the next panel, which Rob is about silver mining stocks. Jim will give you 10 ounces of silver to give away at your booth where people can ask you about your option experience, which is just as valuable. Everyone's experience in thinking about options. You can think about the options you're faced with. How do I go to this panel versus that panel? How do I go to this booth versus that booth? Options is a science of comparing alternative preferences. So I might not want to choose the same preferences in silver option trading. I want to be on the other half of Jeff Curry's trades. But I can still have a more informed opinion about all of the opinions that, hey, if Jeff Curry is part of Goldman Sachs and I'm correct that they're part of manipulating the market, then... If I watch CPM videos with that in mind and I treat it like hacking a code, if he's a mouthpiece for a bank, think about who would actually be watching him and why. Rob, think about that. What do you think? 
Is it possible that in addition to him saying silly things just to try and get Silverbugs flustered, who knows what else is being coded in those ridiculous videos? I mean, we know the banks collude. We hear him apologize for JP Morgan. And here's the thing. I've noticed there are a couple times I have a note to review one of them. Last week he had a video where he's like, and it was right, I'm watching this, like an hour after he published it, right after the silver market got crushed. And he said something about what was going to happen. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start reviewing some of these videos where he makes specific trade recommendations. Because if I get a subscription to his service and then I see what he's publishing, mm -hmm. I see when he publishes that, when that means it must have been written before, when his video is released, when that means it must have been recorded before, and then what happens in the market. And I'll bet if I studied that, I could pick up more clues. Rob, what would you think? Would you bet me an ounce of silver that I could or couldn't do that? Jim, you can play too. Yep, you could. I, I'm actually reading through the questions. Um, can you sell calls as well as buy them? Yes, you you would either need to own the stock or own some calls at a lower price unless you want to do it naked, which you do not want to do. You can sell options naked short. I would not. I will not, not talk more about that because that I will not even put in people's minds right now. Yeah, don't do it. We're going to wrap up, but I'm going to take one last question and I answer with a story which will put this in perspective. Two quick stories. A, in 2011, by then I'd been trained by Susquehanna for six years, trained in silver for two years. I had a big bet on. We weren't getting banker dollars at Susquehanna, but I took my, you know, my meager bonus savings. And when silver hit 50 in April of 2011, I already had an option position on. So I got up to about a half million of total dollar worth value which seemed like a lot for me back at the time then that got hornswoggled may 1st now here's what people don't remember the silver and gold actually hung in there for the rest of the summer it was months later when gold hits 1900 after us gets downgraded by s p silver gets back up to the mid 40s august and into september there and had it not been for the takedown labor day 2011 when gold crosses 1900 same holiday night, the Swiss announced they're pegging their franc to the euro, removing Wall Street's alleged last safe haven. I'm thinking gold's about to soar, silver's about to soar. I have the option position on, it gets clobbered. Hey, it's worked out okay. I got clobbered. I learned that lesson so that we could have the channel because otherwise it probably would have gone really well. <laughs> we might not be here today. But here's the thing. Now I learned from that. Then someone asked about the Reddit targets. I had an account that was worth about $27,000 the last week of January. I'd been adjusting this because I felt something <laughs> happening. Again, I don't know the exact dates, but with my money, I can trade on my intuition. That's why I very rarely manage any other accounts or don't have a brokerage. I don't run a hedge fund at the moment. Right now, I like being able to take my money and do whatever I want. If I win, I'm okay. If I lose, I don't have to explain it. I'm not putting anything else, anybody else at risk, which is why we started this being clear. And Rob and Jim, you're both clear on how all of this has to start with you being clear on your own parameters, your own boundaries, your own opinions before you can do anything option. Otherwise, you need to be trading paper or doing nothing. Is that clear? That's right. With that said, here's my learning lesson number two. Somehow, now I spent 10 years saying before this big move occurs, 
show me something, Chris, that gives me enough confidence. Whatever it is, fine. Maybe business will be going better and I'll be able to put a bigger bet on. Actually, Rob, can you help me sell about $20,000 worth of Theta today? Because I want to add that to my option chips. <laughs> okay. Theta. Sell the darn Theta. Yep. <clears throat> Again, I'm not telling anyone else what they should do. But this is how I was thinking that week before I heard of Silver Squeeze, before you called me that week, Jim, it was a week after that. There was maybe of the 27,000, there was maybe like five grand in options, the rest was stock, some cash, okay? Then by, let's call it by Wednesday the 27th, I had finished reallocating. There was 10,000 worth of mining shares. And 17,000 worth of options. Let's call that January 27th. Okay. Greg, we're finishing up the option panel, but you might want to hear this story when you okay. talk to people and add some adult supervision. <laughs> now, that I'm, now that I'm telling about how I made a fortune twice and then got clobbered in the option market on silver. So you're the adult supervision. Okay. So you don't know me very well, do you? Panel. I'm going to go. Me an adult. <laughs> So now that we understand the parameters, we're about to finish up the options. The peak, now that we had 10 grand of mining shares and 17,000 of a diversified book of options on silver assets like First Majestic. Greg, are we going to get options listed on silver one soon? Uh, we'll talk about that after the uh, show. When I was an option market maker, they would just come in anytime. I think it had to be listed on New York Stock Exchange, but they say, Chris, we have, can you list options on some symbol I'd never heard of? I was required. That was part of a requirement to be the specialist or to be the market maker. So we'll figure out how to get you listed. I, I got some people I can call on that, Greg. Because okay. I want to okay. buy. <laughs> Rob, could you imagine if we get Jeff Curry to write us long term options, pre funded? in a securitized account with silver so we can buy silver one options. And even if Goldman Sachs defaults, we'll have the physical silver stowed somewhere safely, like in Kinesis. So we make mm -hmm. sure Goldman Sachs doesn't default. Yep. How to watch for your counterparties in these things. Here's the thing. When Goldman Sachs defaulted and had to stuff the silver market, 27,000 at its peak on February 1st, got up to 195,000. So that was about an eight bagger on a $3 move in silver. Now here's, here's the learning lesson. So in the span of a week, now we know what happened February 2nd and February 3rd, right? So that option PL to show you the power and the danger simultaneously the span of a week went from $27,000 to $195,000 to $2,000 and ultimately to zero. If you're okay with handling something like that, then spend a lot of money buying options right now. You might win big. That's what I'm going to attempt to do. I've shared why I feel comfortable only taking these risks with my money since I've been thinking about this for over 15 years. There's a time and a place for everything. There's an appropriate context. So everybody have fun at Silverfest. You can win more than one ounce of silver. Greg, we we already racked up 600 ounces of silver yesterday. Most people don't even yeah. know this thing started yet. Yeah. We've only given away 100, 200 tops. That's a silver giving away deficit 
Rob can help us overshoot. So if you give away 20, it's cool. If you give away 30, it's cool. On, on Arcadia is my thank you to our sponsors because not any silver mining company was invited to show up here. In fact, Greg, your, your fiat currency was no good here. Okay, Some companies I just, wanted to pay, but we only have partners who we know well, who people like Rob and others have verified since I like my silver and I like having smart friends like him and you and Jim and everybody else who's about to join us on this panel. But I hope everybody's having fun. That is how you trade options. Starts with taking accountability. There is no out there, out there. You get that part, you trade all the options you want. So that was what we had at the options panel this year at Silverfest 2. And something else I thought was worth sharing, this I've been listening to is from Jack Schwager's The New Market Wizards, a book I'm particularly fond of because not only was it where I found the template for the big silver short of just interviewing people who are very successful at what they've done, um, but also Jeff Yass, who started Susquehanna, the options shop that I worked at and was trained at, he actually appeared in one of the chapters. And it's amazing how much silver comes up as you hear in these books, as you hear all these different great traders talk about their careers. And there was one option trader that had some interesting comments on the silver market. And I was listening to this the other day and thought I would share this with you. So with that said, here's an excerpt from the New Market Wizards by Jack Schwager. You just mentioned the idea of being flexible enough to switch to the markets that had the best trading opportunities. As I recall, you became involved with silver again during the wild 1979 to 80 market. Were you just trading the arbitrage or did you do some directional trades? Almost exclusively arbitrage. When the volatility expands dramatically, the opportunities for profit and arbitrage are greatly enhanced. Though there was one trade, however, that you could term directional. This is one of those stories that proves it's better to be dumb and make a profit than be smart and take a loss. In early 1979, some mystery buyer came in and bought 20,000 contracts of silver. Nobody knew who it was. I did some digging around and found that the person who was managing this trade was a Pakistani. I happened to know a Pakistani who was from the upper crust, and the upper crust of that country is relatively small. So I asked her if there were any Pakistanis who could have that kind of money. She said, no, but there are two Pakistanis that manage money for the Saudis. She gave me the two names. Sure enough, with a little secret investigating, we found that one of these guys was connected to the buying. We thought we had a nice bit of information. At the time, silver options were traded only in London. The out-of-the-money silver calls were trading at very low prices. Even though the market was not that liquid, I bought a huge amount of calls. I took a ridiculously large position relative to our equity base, knowing that our downside was limited. Essentially, an out-of-the-money call gives a buyer the right to buy a contract, silver in this instance, at a specified price above the current price. If the market fails to rise to that price, the option will expire worthless, and the entire premium paid for the option will be lost. On the other hand, if prices exceed the specified price, called the strike price, then the right to buy offered by the call position can result in profits. If the strike price is significantly exceeded, the profit potential can be huge. We had lots of theories about who might be buying all this silver, but there was one theory that we had never considered. It turns out that some guy had passed off a $20 million bum check to a brokerage office in Dallas. 
What did that have to do with the Saudis? Absolutely nothing. Apparently, he wasn't related to the Saudis. He was just someone who passed a bad check. So, well, we thought we were being very clever. All our analysis actually proved to be inaccurate. The brokerage company finally caught this guy, sold out his position, and silver prices slid down to under $6. I couldn't even get out of my position because the market was so illiquid, and I held so many options that I would have gotten virtually nothing for the contracts if I had tried to sell. Essentially, I ended up being married to the position. At that time, I went away for a vacation, which was fortunate because the hunt buying started to push silver prices sharply higher. I'm sure that if I were around, I would have gotten out at the first opportunity of breaking even. By the time I came back, the silver calls were in the money, i.e. the market price had risen above the strike price. Although I thought the market was going to continue to go up, I couldn't stand the volatility. One day, I decided to go into the silver pit just to get a feel for what was going on. I promised myself that I would keep my hands in my pocket. At the time, silver was trading at 7.25. I decided to sell 25 contracts against my calls just to lock in some profits. Before I knew it, I had liquidated my entire position. By the time the calls expired, silver prices had gone up to about $8.50. The 1979-80 silver market was one of the great bull markets of all time. Silver soared from $5 per ounce to $50 per ounce in little over a year. Did you have any inkling of how high prices might go? None whatsoever. In fact, even $10 per ounce seemed extremely far-fetched. I don't know anybody who bought silver at relatively low prices and got out at over $20. The traders who bought silver at $3, $4, $5, and $6 did one of two things. Either by the time silver got up to 7 8 or 9 they got out, or they rode the position all the way up and all the way down. I'm sure there are exceptions, but I've never met one. I did, however, know traders that went short silver at $9 and $10 because the price seemed so ridiculously high and ended up riding the position until they had lost their entire net worth. That happened to some of the best professionals I knew in the silver market. Would Hunt have succeeded if the exchange didn't step in and change the rules by allowing trading for liquidation only, thereby averting a delivery squeeze? The exchanges didn't have to change the rules to prevent Hunt from taking delivery. According to the rules, the exchange has the power to step in and say, okay, you want silver, you can have your silver, but you're going to have to spread out the delivery periods or they can allow trading for liquidation only. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Interesting, the many things that have gone on in the silver world. So with that said, gonna go ahead and wrap up, but hit the subscribe button and the notification bell, and that way you can see things like this as soon as they are released in the future.